welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, this is Anthony Diana from Reed Smith. Welcome back to Tech Law Talks and our M365 in 5 e-discovery series. We are joined by Lighthouse to explore the challenges of e-discovery in Microsoft 365. In this episode, we're going to be talking about OneDrive and the e-discovery challenges associated with OneDrive for Business. And with me today are John Holliday from Lighthouse and Samantha Walsh from Reed Smith. So let's get started. First, just to make sure that everyone we're level setting on what exactly is OneDrive for Business. I know we did a previous podcast. We went over some of the governance issues associated, but it's probably good to start maybe with John, if you could just give us a high level of what is OneDrive for Business. Sure. A lot of people may be familiar with OneDrive, actually, you know, the, the consumer version of OneDrive, but OneDrive for Business is the enterprise version of that. It's really like your home drive. It's where you keep your documents. It's, it gives you ability to share and gives you much more functionality than you would get with just a file share on your on your own computer. Okay, and we'll be talking about some of the key functionality associated with OneDrive and how it creates some e-discovery challenges. And why don't we start with, you know, one of the things, and again, we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but it's probably worth mentioning, is the versioning issue, which is obviously could be a huge issue for e-discovery purposes. So why don't you give us a sense, John, on, on what are the issues with the versions of the documents within OneDrive? Well, part of the issue is just the number of documents that are now available for search, et cetera. And by default, versioning gets turned on in OneDrive for business. And so I think the defaults are like automatically will keep 500 versions of every document. You can change that within your own OneDrive, but there is a minimum of 100 documents or 100 versions that you cannot go below. It could be changed programmatically, but, but the UI just doesn't give you an opportunity to do that. One of the impacts of this could be around migration. Let's say if you're migrating a number of documents into the environment, sometimes that's done, most often that's done programmatically. And the migration tools might do something like change the creation date, let's say, of documents that that are imported. But that has the side effect of actually creating another version of the document automatically. And so it's important to keep track of that and sort of make, make sure that you're not unnecessarily increasing the number of documents that would then be subject to e-discovery. And, and Sam, what are some other issues associated with versions that, that people should be aware of from an e-discovery perspective? Yeah, when I think about versions of a document that people are working on, it always makes me think of privilege because if you have people editing a document, you know, are there versions of the document that legal looked at, that legal commented on? Will you be able to locate those versions? I think it just complicates the the privilege review. And, you know, potentially if you're dealing with a proliferation of versions and just isolating the ones that have legal comments in them, you know, I think that's just something that that comes to mind for me when I when I hear about document versioning. <laughs> a major headache, in other words. So it's not just volume, but there's obviously additional risk with all these versions. So, John, there has been historically some issues which I think Microsoft is trying to fix, but could you go over something, a few issues that people should know 
about in terms of the limitations of the e-discovery tool as it applies to OneDrive for Business? Well, one big issue has been this idea of historical documents, historical versioning, and limitations that were present when trying to target, for example, a version of the document that might contain information that's relevant to an investigation, whereas another version of the same document might not contain relevant information. And I do know that Microsoft has been focused on that particular issue, and so that now there are some changes uh, happening related to e-discovery and that, that would allow you to do some historical versions. There are a number of steps that are involved in getting it set up, right? So, and then that steps has a certain sequence, so it's important to do it in the right sequence. But essentially, you have to enable versioning in SharePoint. You have to actually turn on historical versions at the tenant level. There are a number of different things that you do. And then you actually have to enable versioning on the particular site that you're interested in. But once you've got all that set up, then it does allow you to then do sort of a re-indexing of content, right? Once you turn that on, you basically trigger a process that then allows you to uh, capture some of the historical versions that, that were specific. And that's, that's an important plus. Yeah, so that's something to definitely keep in mind that the, if you're doing sort of the standard tool and not doing the steps that John said, you may be missing out on preserving or collecting some of these historical versions. The other issue, I think, is the recycle bin, which has been sort of out there where if people are deleting stuff and it goes in the recycle bin for 90 days, whether that's subject to the e-discovery tools. Yeah, of course. I mean, the big issue there has been if, if a site is on hold, for example, if your OneDrive is on hold, right? then you don't really run into the issue because the, the content's being preserved and it is discoverable. But if the site's not on hold, then there hasn't been any way to actually search or export any items that are, that are now in the recycle bin. Microsoft is focusing on this, making architectural changes underneath that would allow you to actually search both the first stage and the second stage recycle bin, but it hasn't actually become generally available yet. They initially had an earlier target, I think, of around June this year to have that available. But I think now that date has been pushed back to September. They are working on it, and that will be a much-needed and very important change to, to the way Discovery works. Yeah, so just just something to be aware of if you're still you know, dealing with OneDrive and doing collections and preservation and stuff, and is it being captured? So just to be careful. So, Sam, another one of the big issues that's associated with OneDrive uh, particularly for Teams, but it's also uh, available for email, is the modern attachments. We talked a little bit about this in the governance side. We'll probably have another podcast just on modern attachments. But you just give a sense of what is it about modern attachments that people should be thinking about, both in terms of Teams as well as email. Yeah, I think modern attachments, to me, that's really what sets a OneDrive apart from a home drive, at, at least sort of thinking about e-discovery, you know, you might be able to take a pretty like laid back approach to home drives because they tend to not necessarily contain so much unique data. If, if people are collaborating on something, it's going to be in the emails and that's where you're going to see the copies of the documents that they're working on. Whereas with the modern attachments, that same scenario, people collaborating, sharing a document that they're working on, you know, they're sharing a link to the cloud location of that document, which could be someone's OneDrive. And I think if you're not, if you're not considering OneDrive seriously for preservation or for collection, you know, you could easily end up in a situation where you're, you're getting ready to produce data. You have all these emails referring to a document that people were clearly working on, but 
if you haven't collected that document from its OneDrive location, you know, you, you're going to be kind of in a, in a bit of a, a jam. Yeah. And then, and I obviously, particularly with teams, which we talked about before, the only way to share documents is through these modern attachments. So really, if you, if you're dealing with, if you want to really preserve and collect teams data and have, you know, teams chat data and have the attachments, you have to both preserve and collect the modern attachments through the OneDrive. And I know people like Lighthouse and other discovery vendors are figuring out how to connect the modern attachment with the chat or the email as well. So that's another workflow that needs to be developed. So John, one of the things I also want to talk to you about is, you know, one of the one of the challenges I think we're going to see is the fact that these OneDrives could be pretty large. And we all are aware, anybody who's dealt with 365, it's hard to get a lot of data out of Microsoft, right? And it's designed to be more specific and focused, and that's what they want to do. But could you just explain some of the challenges associated with really having why there could be some very large OneDrive for business and also, you know, what are the potential solutions to that? Well, part of the issue here is, you know, OneDrive becomes sort of the repository for all my documents. And so over time, it's easy to imagine that these things can get very large. And people have a tendency, for example, to organize their OneDrives into folders and things like that. I mean, it's, 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 it becomes more and more of a challenge. It's kind of an accumulative challenge. You can do targeted collections of folders, but it's not a straightforward process, right? You have to target by the folder ID. You have to run a script to get those IDs. There are limitations that then come in to play. For example, for eDiscovery, if you're targeting a folder by its ID, then you don't get the amount of control that you normally would have. So if they're if you want to do something like exclude unindexed items, for example, you can't really do that anymore because if you're targeting it by ID, all the items in the folder are going to be exported. So your data set is going to become larger and larger. So there are a lot of different things to consider when you're defining a strategy specific to OneDrive. There are also limits within the platform itself in terms of how much data, how often you can retrieve the data, how many cases a particular user can create and how many documents within a case and things like that, that you, you're really not thinking about when you're setting up your policies for controlling OneDrive. It's only after the fact. And so I think probably the best advice is to really try to consider a lot of these things up front as much as you can. That's basically it. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot to consider as you're setting it up. And then to continue monitoring and make sure that you're still adhering to those guidelines. Okay. So, so we're sort of at the end. So Sam, just one, I think the final point I think we should probably talk about is some of the unique types of documents or, or data that's going to be in OneDrive and figuring out, you know, how to deal with it. So if you just, we'll finish on that point. Yeah, sure. I know that one data type that may end up in a, in a OneDrive is Teams. AV recording, you know, if you have someone who likes to record their meetings, those, I guess, depending on the type of meeting could end up in the, in the OneDrive. And, you know, it's, I think it's something to know just from a data volume perspective, if you put that person on hold, like, you know, in, in normal times, those might roll off, but if you put their OneDrive on hold, you know, all of a sudden they're recording every meeting that they attend you're going to have just a lot of recordings that pile up. And then, you know, hopefully they don't enter into the e-discovery because they're, that's just a nightmare in itself. But uh, 
just, you know, preserving that data could be pretty burdensome. Yeah. And I think that shows, and again, obviously there's other things that could be in there. OneNote, we've heard whiteboards eventually are going to be there. I think for some clients, it may be there already. It's hard to tell. But I think one of the things that you keep in mind, it's not just your standard stuff. So I think the danger is just collecting the OneDrive and sending it off the vendor is not, as we said, you can't just do that. Well, thank you both. I think this is informative. And again, I thank everybody for listening in and certainly join us in the future for some tech law talks on M365 and 5. Thank you, everybody. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.